Welcome back to Husker Sports Weekly, your soon-to-be number one source for all things Husker sports. And today was National Signing Day for schools across the country, and we will touch on Nebraska signees that made their commitments official today during this podcast. We also have the final week of the regular season for college football this weekend, as the Huskers have possible bowl eligibility on the line as they travel to Rutgers on Friday. And finally, we also have the conference championship games to discuss for this week as well. So what will the playoff picture look after the, look like after this weekend? Does anybody get upset? Does Nebraska sneak into a bowl game? We will have all the answers to all of those questions and more coming up for you on episode number 24 of Husker Sports Weekly. But before we get into any of that, you should know who you're listening to. My name is Connor Clark, along with Grant Hansen, as always. And don't forget to find our podcast on Spotify and Anchor.fm. Just search Husker Sports Weekly in the search bar and follow us on our newly rebranded Twitter account at Cornhusker Media, which is a part of a much bigger project that we will talk about at the end of today's episode. So something very exciting to look forward to. Uh, but anyway, let's get right into the news that we have today. Today is Wednesday, December 16th when we're recording this. Uh, this episode will be released the day after uh, Wednesday, so on Thursday, leading up to the Husker game, and today is National Signing Day, um, and a lot of Husker uh, recruits finally made their commitments official um, to the Huskers today as they finally put their name down on that paper and have sealed the deal for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Yeah, a lot of new recruits coming in. Uh, it's good to get the sign, you know, the early signees. Technically, early, like it, it's funny we like. National Signing Day is very much now just signing day. It used to be early signing day, and now it's just kind of I, most people sign at this time. Now, it's interesting. This year you have less people signing early because of that, hoping, you know, by next month that that, that, that you'll see a, a um, opening up of the, the recruiting period from the NCAA, and so that's part of why you see guys like Avante Dickerson, who have technically committed to Minnesota, just not signed today, uh, mainly because they haven't, I believe, uh, in their view, had enough spent enough time on campus, uh, so you're going to see some of that, I think. Uh, but for the most part, na- early signing day is much more closer now to national signing day, uh, and that's what we got. To, you know, obviously highlighting the class are Thomas Fedoni and Teddy Brashka, but you also got local guys like James Carney and Heimer Carberg that uh, are are going to be making impacts for this team, hopefully in the, in the future a little bit at a high level. Yeah, you mentioned Fedoni. He signed today and one of the higher recruits in this class of 2021 of that high school recruiting class. Um, James Carney is another big name in that recruiting class as well. You mentioned Avante Dickerson not signing today, but you you are correct on that. I mean, this is a pretty early signing day for early enrollees, so it, it makes sense that he would take the time to really consider his decision here on National Signing Day. But, uh, I mean, the Huskers have a pretty good – uh, recruiting class for football. I mean, Scott Frost has done a nice job recruiting um, with uh, th- this class. Um, I mean, one of the few good things you can really pull out of Scott Frost at the, at the moment, considering the uh, the team's record this year. But um, I mean, lots of positives coming out of today. Today's always an exciting day, too. Um, I mean, lots of media coverage for for these guys. And, you know, they finally get to make their 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 dream come true and a lot of these guys have been committed for uh, uh quite a while now so they've been waiting for this day um but just to kind of look at this 2021 recruiting class overall it's ranked seventh in the big 10 so at the halfway point uh 23rd nationally which is impressive 
Um, and, I mean, as we said, it's highlighted by four-star tight end Thomas Fedoni, who comes in at number 88 on the national scale of the top 100 players, according to 24-7 Sports. Um, we got guys like James Carney, Roquan Buckley. Um, uh, I mean, you got a lot of guys here who have the potential to make a big impact. A lot of three-stars, but a healthy amount of four-stars here as well um, that I, I personally am really looking forward to, to see play at Memorial Stadium next year. Hopefully a full Memorial yes. Stadium next yes. year. Yeah, I, I think you know Frost has recruited well while he's been here, right? Consistently inside the top twenty-five, I believe. One, I think this class is actually ranked nineteenth in some places. Uh, so in the inside the top twenty, with a uh, little potential to see some potential further growth. Uh, I'm going to butcher his last name here, but Wyndon uh, uh, Huoli uh, of, uh, of Hawaii. <laughs> Uh, 6'3", inside linebacker, four-star, characterized by 24-7 as a warm commit. And then uh, recently announcing Nebraska in his top three was Teoli Sevilla out of Las Vegas, uh, also warm, and I believe Crystal Ball has him trended towards Nebraska. So that's a pair of four-star defensive players that you could be seeing coming over to the Big Red as well to improve this class. And again, it's just like uh, Frost is consistently inside the top 25, inside the top half of the Big Ten with his recruiting ability. Now it's just time to see if ever at any point we can really, you know, bring it to fruition on the field in, in a positive way. You're going to see a lot of his class, especially on the offensive line, you're going to get to see them uh, this week as uh, now Turner Corcoran, I'm sorry, will be starting uh, for the Huskers in, in place of Brendan Hymas, who is moving on to the NFL. So you'll have three freshmen along that offensive line uh, for – the big red and so you're you're gonna start to see the fruits really uh, officially as of next year uh, and and to a certain extent this year as well of guys that are mostly frost recruited who are in their places yeah and speaking of four-star uh players we have a transfer who we, we got from iowa we we flipped him from iowa which was uh, oliver martin as well so i feel like he was worth mentioning as well he's a wide receiver um so four currently wide playing receiver coming in from Oh, well, yeah, there we go. Logged his, um, uh, logged his, he's had a reception now uh, with, I believe, four different Big Ten teams. Uh, that would be the first player to ever well, do that. Well, that's impressive. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, give him credit for that. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's just kind of our quick little touch of, of National Signing Day. Um, I mean, we like to stay up to date with recruiting, but obviously – I mean, I'm not a mastermind of recruiting, mm-hmm. and I mean, I don't think either of us are, are experts when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, it's it's nice to see Frost uh, really excel in that end of things, uh, because I feel like if you're a good recruiter, it can only be a matter of time before that finally starts to translate on the field. But who knows? We'll see uh, coming up here in the next couple of years under Frost at the Nebraska helm. Uh, and speaking of Nebraska, as this is what the podcast is about, but... They will travel to Rutgers this Friday. The game was moved to 6.30 p.m. from its original 3 o'clock kickoff. Uh, so they will be at Rutgers uh, for the final regular season game, I guess you could call it, um, for Champions Week. Uh, Nebraska, and I, I really am hesitating to say this year, but they come out as 6.5-point favorites in this game, uh, the 2-5 and five Cornhuskers do. Uh, just a couple of quick facts about this matchup and its history. The Huskers are 4-0 against Rutgers, 2-0 on the road. Their last game was September 23rd of 2017, which Nebraska won by a score of 27-17. Um, and as we mentioned in the open, uh, Nebraska is looking to try and sneak into a bowl game with a win 
And Rutgers could also do so with a win, or some projections have them already being in bowl season. So this is a big game for both of these teams. Yeah, I agree. And and, and for the most part around college football, you've seen, you know, you've seen some schools that have started, including places like LSU, to self-impose postseason bans uh, for bowl games. And so they're, they're guys that are dropping out of spots, right? And they're going to need people to fill those spots. And so uh, it, there's more opportunity for some of these schools, especially, you know, you already had them taking away the bowl limit uh, as far as how many wins you needed to get to qualify. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of open season in a lot of ways. And, you know, whoever loses this game, probably it doesn't really stand much of a chance. Uh, you know, both of them could still miss anyway, but the opportunity is certainly there. It's not there with a the loss. Right, and Nebraska picking up its third win potentially here could, I mean, that's a big boost. Three and five versus two and six. I mean, when it's open season, as you said, for Bulls, that's going to be a big push. And, I mean, obviously it would have been nice to have the win last week to uh, to have the potential to go four and four, but... I mean, we, we got to look forward to this week. I mean, the game's coming up shortly here. It's a little bit shorter of a week for this team. Um, and this is a big game. I mean, Nebraska, they've, they've been all over the spectrum when it comes to winning and losing <laughs> this year. Very inconsistent. And, uh, I mean, at some point you gotta you got to just kind of say, okay, this is what we have to do. This is what's potentially at the end of the road for us here if we do win this game. Um and I mean, it's just it's just a good confidence builder too for this team. I mean, a lot of these players are they're they're really trying to win, and I mean, they they have a lot of things to rally around. As you said, uh, people even for the NFL, we saw Colin Miller retire uh, due to injury. So that's I mean, the team will probably rally around him. I would imagine mm-hmm. because Colin Miller is one of those big leaders, especially on the defense. And you see him even when he's injured on the sideline in trying to inject energy into that sideline. Um, especially this year without any fans. So, I mean, Nebraska definitely has a lot of good reasons to play hard and try and win this game. And, uh, I mean, obviously, us along with the rest of Big Red Nation, uh, we we really hope that they do come out and get this game against uh, Rutgers um, and against former quarterback who may or may not play Noah Vedral, um, which is another added bonus. Yeah, it's going to be a weird game. You know, Nebraska talked about having to try to limit its signs uh, because Vedral knows them. He called them. He was a single caller for Nebraska for the last couple of years after he transferred from UCF and then transferred on to Rutgers trying to figure out if he could find any opportunity at the quarterback position, which he's had. He's had a good year, and he's been easy to root for. Obviously going to have to root against him on uh, on Friday night, which Nebraska playing again, it doesn't start at 11 o'clock for the first time this year. I mean, I, I don't know if that can really throw the big red for a loop or not. I'm sure it'll be a slight adjustment uh, for some of these guys. But again, as I mentioned a little bit earlier in the broadcast, you're really going to see the offensive line of the future. I think that's probably one of the biggest things to watch against Rutgers uh, in that you're going to have three freshmen who are going to be starting on that line. Uh, Bryce Benhart and Turner Corcoran lead the way for the for the Huskers. And I, I think that's something really to watch to see how well these guys do, right? Like Nebraska's done a good job of recruiting big bodies, guys who are 6'8", 6'7", 280 plus. Uh, but how well does that translate to the field, right? That's been the biggest struggle for Nebraska really this year and, and most of the time during Frost's tenure here is there are a lot of things that sound really good in principle, but they don't really make it onto the football field, right? Uh, and so that's going to be the big thing for Nebraska. Again, favored a lot. And I again, like we've talked about the, 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 uh, the lines this year. We've talked about those betting lines. I don't know if Nebraska fans are the ones who are blowing these lines up or what, but... 
still by a touchdown feels like a lot to me. I hope we win by that much, but I, I, I'm, I'm, nothing's easy. Nothing's been easy with this team ever, and I'm, I'm not that confident. I hope we can get the win, and, and I hope we can get it done, and, and it's going to be big to get that win. Uh, and hopefully we can sneak into a bowl. I mean, the the projections for bowl games are, are dicey at best because you don't know who's going to have COVID, what, what's going to come up, even with conference championships, as we're going to get into those later. Oregon playing in the Pac-12 championship game because Washington didn't have enough players on scholarship who didn't have COVID or were contact traced out. So even that could come into play uh, for the Huskers if they don't make one initially. Some sort of COVID issue could come up for any team. And so... It, it's really hard, I think, probably this year more than ever to project who's going to play in what bowl. Yeah, that's really well said. I mean, you got to think about all the outside factors that every team has been dealing with throughout the season. Um, and even with, as you mentioned, Washington not being able to play in the Pac-12 championship, I mean, that's about as unfortunate as it can get. I mean, that, that's a great opportunity that's just kind of taken from them. I mean, Oregon's still a pretty good uh, a fill-in team there for, for the Pac-12, but... Um, that's that really does suck for for Washington, um, especially for their seniors playing this year as well. Even though they could come back, but um, odds are they probably don't, considering they the rest of their lives are in front of them. Um, but back to Nebraska trying to win this game. I mean, as you said, the the spreads are all like, I'm surprised too, and I think it probably is Nebraska fans like betting to like <laughs> to 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 uh, put the spread in their favor. But I mean, you watch this offense, and it's. It's something that it's, I was listening to uh, to uh, Hell Varsity earlier this week. Uh, yesterday, I was listening to Monday's episode or uh, Sunday's episode, excuse me. And um, I mean, they were talking about like how how the the stuff on in practice and as we've heard in press conferences all all year long. I mean, everything's been sounding great in practice. So, what is that drop off from practice to games? And I know they mentioned it was like. The pressure, um, there was a good golf analogy used there. I won't copy it, but um, I thought it was a good one. But, I mean, it's I, I don't understand what the drop-off is because Scott Frost makes this, <laughs> this team to sound like a, a national championship contender when it's on the practice field. But when they step into a game situation, I mean, everything kind of freezes and we don't know what to do. And, I mean, I, the... <laughs> I really hope this game, or at least last game, was the last we will see of swing passes. I know that's a lot to ask for. It probably won't come true. Um, but, I mean, we, we need to see more on the ground. Uh, we, we need to see more Dedrick Mills. I know he's been a little banged up, but when he's healthy, we need to see more of him. I'd like to see Juan Dale carry the ball more um, because he's effective when he gets on the ground. He can carry the ball. Um, so, I mean, so, something's got to change on the on the game-planning side of the offense. And... I mean, there's no. It's it's very hard to see success with this offense. And I mean, I thought they had it figured out against Purdue, but apparently not. But when you keep doing the same thing over and over again, I mean, that's defined as insanity. So I mean, that's kind of what this offense has been doing all year. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I mean, something's got to change on the offensive side of the ball. I like how the defense is playing. I mean, they keep doing their thing. I think we'll be okay. But uh, the offense has definitely got to put more than 17 points on the board. Yeah, either way, it's going to be hard for this team to make into a bowl game, especially after the loss last week. Four and four, you can really entertain it. Uh, where you're at right now, it's going to be hard. But, I mean, there's a lot more that you're playing for right now, I think. I mean, to a certain extent, it almost is like a bowl game, right? Uh, that, what you're in right now. Uh, so, it, it's your offense is definitely going to have to produce. 
uh, Rutgers, I mean, you could produce against them, but you struggled to produce against a Minnesota team that was down over a third of its roster and has been the worst defense in the Big Ten this year. So, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to figure out how consistent this offense is, and, and the answer is it's not consistent at all. And so predicting its consistentness is almost impossible. <laughs> uh, and and I think that's probably been the, probably – the biggest shortfall of this team this year is undoubtedly the inconsistency on offense. And for Rutgers, right, like you look at a team that's kind of been okay defensively, offense, they've kind of been okay. They could have beat Illinois, uh, but they really struggled in that game to get anything going there. So it, it, it's going to be a game where you, I think as a Nebraska fan, you just have to be patient and, and just sit and be ready to to hopefully look for positive things that you can pull out and, and look towards 2021 because uh, the chance that you get a bolt is pretty low uh, and and so just trying to process that is big you know and, and for Rutgers they beat Maryland last week right 27-24 Maryland kind of like an up and coming high and low team this year in the Big 10 right so Rutgers is riding high right and, and kind of hopefully <laughs> crashes kind of like Nebraska has after wins this year. So we'll see what they do uh, on Friday night. I mean, Rutgers has been a weird team this entire season too. I mean, we, we saw them look pretty good against Michigan state and Michigan state's also been a weird team this year. I mean, they, they've shown, they've shown that they can play legitimate football this year. I think they're better than they have been in years prior. And I think uh, many would agree with that, but I mean, it's, it's kind of almost as hard to predict them like how they're going to play as it is to predict the, the Nebraska offense. I mean, right. you don't know what you're going to get on on I guess Friday at this point, but um I mean, this game's going to be I think it's going to be pretty entertaining um for the neutral fan. Uh I'm sure it'll be incredibly frustrating and heart attack worthy at some points for uh, all the Nebraska fans including <laughs> us too. Um so I mean we'll we'll be in for a ride on Friday night. I think it'll be a close game. Uh, I mean again I I hope Nebraska would would be able to cover the spread, but at this point I don't even want to talk about the spread because we know what happened the last two times we've been favored. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean absolutely catastrophe um, each time coming off of a win. So uh, I mean I guess the one good omen that Nebraska has is they're not coming off of a win this time, but they're still <laughs> they're still favored. So maybe their inconsistency will help them out here. Um, so yeah, and you you mentioned Noah Vedral being the the sign caller. Uh, I mean that's that's kind of a key piece of information for Nebraska to keep track of too. I mean they're gonna have to do a lot better job of of hiding them. Maybe use some like audibles or silent counts or whatever you need to do to to make your plays hidden to um, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights defense. But at the same time, when you run a, a screen pass or a swing pass every other play. It's really not going to be that hard to to predict here for for the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. So, I mean, the game will be mildly entertaining. Um, hopefully, Nebraska wins. Um, I mean, kind of as you said, we don't really know what to expect at this point. Yep. So, I guess we're just gonna have to wait and see for for six thirty p.m. Central Time on Friday night. Uh, a little Friday night lights action going for you. So, a little bit of a high school feel to it as well. Yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, Got to end, hopefully end the year on a on a bright note. Got to give people and, and the fan base and, you know, to a certain extent your players and recruits some hope. Uh, so here's hoping, you know, Big Red can get it done.
it's going to be cold. Like, it's going to be cold. You're going to have yes. a lot of, I believe, weather could become a factor. Um, so, you know, it could just come down to, can, can Dedrick Mills save the game for Nebraska, or can we, can we save it on the ground? <laughs> I suppose we'll have to find out. It's supposed to be 33 degree, degrees in Piscataway, New Jersey, on Friday night. So, And once that sun goes down, I mean, all of us Midwesterners know it's a, that's a big game changer. So it uh, should, be, should be a fun one at 6.30 on Friday. Um, and I mean, I guess that's really all we have to say on, on Nebraska at this point. So why don't we move on to these championship games that are happening this weekend. So a lot of good games here. Um, for your viewing pleasure this weekend. And the first championship game coming on Friday night, per usual, as we kind of mentioned before, the Pac-12 championship, Oregon versus number 13, USC. Uh, The Trojans come out as a three-point favorite. This game will be a Trojan home game um, at the Coliseum in Los Angeles, California. Oregon entering the game at 3-2, USC a perfect 5-0. 5-0. and um, USC looking to make a late playoff push here as they've been given a 49% chance to make the playoff, which I think is a little bit high. Mm-hmm. Um, and Oregon looking to kind of bounce back from a subpar five-game stretch. I mean, they had that close one against Oregon State that they probably should have had. Um, and so 3-2 and two, when you think of Oregon, that's a little bit lower than you'd expect. But it should be a good one on Friday um, for the Pac-12 title. Yeah, initially, I think, you know, when we talked beginning of the season about if a Pac-12 team could make it, uh, my initial gut feeling was no, they couldn't, uh, and they shouldn't. But here's the thing, if you're willing to put Ohio State in playing six games at 6-0, and you need to be willing to consider USC as well. And so uh, there's a potential here for you. USC has to take care of business Friday night. But as you look over to Saturday, you have an Ohio State team that's playing a pretty tough Northwestern team. We'll look in that one later. But if that's an upset there, you could maybe see them sneaking in. They're at 13 right now, so that would be quite a jump. But we've seen the committee do weird stuff before. Uh, Alabama and Florida, that's a big one as well. Uh, you know, for Alabama probably will win that one, so there's not much hope for USC there. But then you look at Clemson and Notre Dame. If Notre Dame's able to win that game, it, it would probably take two teams inside the top four losing to get USC in. Uh, and at the same time, to to a certain extent, for me, I I would I would rather see USC make the playoff than a one loss Texas A and M team. Uh, or you know. You know, because for example, USC for the most part this year, yeah, you struggle with uh, Arizona State at the beginning. You beat them by one. Uh, you only beat Arizona by four. So the rest, the resume is kind of eh. Uh, but even if you look at Texas A and M, who's ranked number five right now with seven games played, you know, even they they struggle with Vanderbilt to start the year, which is by far the worst team in the SEC, probably one of the worst in the FBS. Uh, barely beat Arkansas by SEC standards. Uh, and so, you know, you have that Alabama loss by a lot, right? So at the same time there with Texas a and in my opinion, it's like, okay, well, you know they can't compete with Alabama. They proved that at the beginning of the year. Why match them up again with Alabama at four? Uh, you know, there's a lot of teams with multiple losses that probably could hop USC, that USC would struggle to hop in these rankings, which, again, we'll probably talk about later on once the college football season is done. But so far have proven to be seriously flawed. Yeah, it'll be interesting. As you said, it'll take a lot of help for this USC team to make it. I mean, they're ranked 13. Um, I mean, their best chance for an upset 
in the top four would be Northwestern Ohio State, in my opinion, uh, just because Ohio State hasn't really played a defense like Northwestern this year yet. Um, but yeah, USC is going to need a lot of help, and the only way I feel like, in my mind, if they were to make a legitimate playoff like pitch here, is if they were to absolutely just obliterate Oregon. Yeah. Like they need to destroy Oregon, like win by four touchdowns, like something like that. So that that game needs to be a blowout in favor of USC, um, and they can't afford to just win by a field goal and just barely cover the spread there. But um, should be a good game uh, between Oregon and number 13 USC. So, Grant, who are you going to pick in this one? Who's going to be the Pac-12 champion? Yeah, I'll go with USC. Oregon's been up and down this year. We've seen – I mean, honestly, the Pac-12 has a history of disappointing itself with its playoff pushes in the Pac-12 championship game. So you could see Oregon pull off an upset here and – and kick its team out once again. Technically, Oregon shouldn't even be here. Uh, they're only in the game because uh, of COVID uh, and Washington not being able to play in this game. Uh, but I'm going to go with USC, and hopefully uh, we can get uh, finally get a team uh, since Oregon back with Marcus Mariota in the Pac-12 that's actually relevant. Uh, so I'll go with the Trojans. I'll also go with the Trojans. I'll go with the Trojans in a close one, though. I think Oregon's going to make this uh, a pretty interesting game. As you said, the Pac-12 has a bad history of playing themselves out of the playoff here. Um, so I think Oregon will make it close, but I think USC will improve to 6-0. and um, But, I, again, a close one is probably not going to do it for USC. So I'll probably leave them out uh, just short of the playoff, but they will definitely move up in the rankings with a win there in Los Angeles on Friday night. So moving to... The rest of the Power Five, the first game, or one of the first games on Saturday, the Big Ten Championship between number 14, Northwestern, and number 4, Ohio State. Ohio State comes into this game as a 20.5-point favorite against the Wildcats at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. Uh, Northwestern is 6-1 and one this year, uh, and they have their second Big Ten Championship appearance in the last three years, and Ohio State looking to secure that fourth and final spot in the college football playoff with a perfect 6-0 and record. A lot of controversy surrounding the rule change that the Big Ten had. But Ohio State's here, uh, and they got to take on a very stout Northwestern defense that had, uh, I believe, eight in total Big Ten uh, first, second, or third team defensive players uh, coming into this game. Yeah, this should be a really interesting one. You know, 20 and a half, I feel like is a lot. I really do. Uh, this Ohio State team is not one that I am overly high on. Uh, if they do make it in at four, which if they won, they would, I think they're going to get absolutely obliterated uh, by whoever is number one. And the, the Buckeyes should be able to have enough to get it done against Northwestern. Granted, they're playing against a pretty solid defensive team, but I'm, I'm not sold. I really am not. And, and I know they've, they've, they've done, they did well in their game that they came back from uh, their COVID hiatus with. Uh, but I, I'm just I'm not 100% in on the defense, especially on the back end uh, with your corners. Uh, and, and then as we look at the rest of the team, you know, I, the offense is solid. Uh, but I, I really don't think they're as good as they were a year ago uh, on both sides of the ball, especially the defensive end. Uh, and so it's really more of a question of can Northwestern's defense save its offense once again because the offense for Northwestern certainly is not – high-powered enough uh, to take care of business. And so that, that, I think that's probably, uh, you know, the biggest thing right there is, is can Northwestern really even keep up with Ohio State 
and the offense that they have. Yeah, Northwestern coming into this game, I mean, they, they did have a nice rushing performance last week with a couple of guys. Um, but, yeah, Northwestern's got that really solid defense. Obviously, the the offense not really at the same level as the defense, something that we're used to seeing from Coach Fitzgerald and his program. Um, but I think this game will actually be pretty good. I, I agree with you. I think the 20.5-point spread is extremely high for this game. I think it should be more around the 14-10 to 10 area. Um, but I, Northwestern, I mean, once they make it to Indy, they're not going to roll over and quit. I mean, we saw that in 2018 uh, when they faced, I believe, a 17-point or three-touchdown deficit, and they came back and made it a three-point game at one point. Um, but yeah, I think this game is going to be really, really good. And, um, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to watch this. I mean, I'll be putting on my, my Northwestern fan hat on, on Saturday since the Huskers aren't playing, go, going back to the, the old-time roots back here in Chicago. But um, th- this should be a really entertaining game, um, and I'm looking forward to watching it here at 11 a.m. on Saturday. So, Grant, who's going to be the Big Ten champion? Yeah, Ohio State will win. I think Northwestern has enough fight in them to keep it close. Ohio State's just going to be more talented, especially on the offensive side. I just... Northwestern's defense is great, uh, and I think that is something that we've definitely seen this year, but its offense is fairly subpar, and you're going to need enough of it. You know, Ohio State's going to at least score 20 to 30 on you, and, and you need to be able to keep up, and, and I'm not sure Northwestern has the ability to do that. So I agree with you, though. Going to be much closer to the 10-point range that Ohio State is going to take the W in. See, it's taking literally every single fiber in my body not to choose Northwestern. But I I, I have to pick Ohio State here. I mean, if I, if I want to look smart, I have to pick Ohio State. But, um, I, again, I, th- I think it'll be a closer one than people expect. Um, I mean, I'll be, I'll be wearing the purple on Saturday. I'll be rooting for the Cats. But uh, it should be a pretty good game, but I think Ohio State's going to – secure that fourth spot in the in the college football playoff and improve to six and zero on the season but northwestern even with a loss will be going to a new year's six bowl most likely uh with that six and two record but should be a good one there at lucas oil stadium moving on to the next 11 a.m game of the big 12 championship number 10 oklahoma favored by five and a half against number six iowa state oklahoma really turning it around since their last meeting against ohio uh, excuse me iowa state uh, winning six in a row after that uh, one and two start. So, I mean, the rematch of week three, Iowa State won that one 37-30 at home. Um, Oklahoma State is on a six-game win streak, and Iowa State is on a five-game win streak since losing 24-21 to against Oklahoma State uh, just five weeks ago. Spread is a little bit surprising here on this game for me, um, but Grant, I'm curious to get your thoughts. Who's going to win this game? Uh, and why between Oklahoma and Iowa State. Yeah, I agree. I think spread is a little weird. It wouldn't be the first time we've said that this year. Uh, honestly, I, I think Oklahoma's going to win. And they played a lot better since their, since their original start to this year. Uh, I think Iowa State is a little bit overvalued at six. Not by much. I mean, they're, they're a top-ten team for sure. But... I'm surprised that Oklahoma's favored and Iowa State is not. I think that that might just be a little bit of better's bias there. Uh, but I think Oklahoma will end up winning this game. It was close the first time. It'll be close the second time. But I think Iowa State is going to get upset and the Sooners will claim another Big 12 title. 
Yeah, this one's really a toss-up for me because, I mean, in that Week 3 matchup that we saw, Spencer Rattler struggled, like, tremendously. And ever since then, I mean, that Oklahoma team has taken off. I mean, from watching them against Iowa State to watching them against Oklahoma State, I mean, it was like watching a totally new team. Um, so this Oklahoma State team, I mean, obviously it's really riding high with those six straight wins, and they've they've been tremendous, especially on offense, um, ever since that last Iowa State meeting. We got to give Iowa State credits. Not really all that often we see them in the top ten, um, but I mean, again, this this is going to be a toss up. But I think Iowa State should be favored, but I'm going to go Oklahoma by a field goal. I think this will be a tremendous game. Um, Iowa State's got a pretty solid defense for Big 12 standards, but Oklahoma just got that crazy offense um, with Spencer Rattler. So I think it'll be a close one. I'm going to take Oklahoma by a field goal um, on Saturday at 11 a.m. in Texas. Uh, And moving down the list at 3 o'clock, the ACC championship game, number three Clemson favored by 10.5 against number two Notre Dame. Um, I mean, Clemson's only loss has been at Notre Dame in overtime without Trevor Lawrence and missing three of their front seven starters. So big shorthand uh, there for the Clemson Tigers there. Obviously, Notre Dame uh, has, has an unblemished record this year, sitting at a perfect 10-0 and in ACC play. Um, and we could see both of these teams in the college football playoff here. Uh, so this is, this is a great preview for what's to come. Uh, here for the state of college football but Clemson favored by 10 and a half I think that's appropriate with a healthy Clemson team uh, this game should be really fun at Bank of America uh, Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte North Carolina um, Grant what are your thoughts on this game who's going to win is Notre Dame going to take him down twice or is Lawrence going to be healthy and get his revenge yeah yeah no it, it, they won't <laughs> Notre Dame is again is just always always <laughs> underperformed uh, come playoff time and I don't think it'll be much of an exception here you know as you look at the rest of the playoff teams right Alabama probably should win handily to Florida Clemson Notre Dame this one's really a seeding matchup right like these two teams could meet again but it's not going to be in the second round they will not stay at three and two if Clemson loses they're definitely out uh, but Notre Dame a loss for them would probably put them at four uh, and Clemson could move up to two, maybe. Uh, we'll see how things get shifted around. But I think Clemson's going to win this, and I think they're going to win it big. Uh, and I even I, I think they could cover the 10.5 uh, that they're being given here. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think Clemson will cover, but I don't think it'll be like a blowout blowout. But I'm going to pick Clemson here as well. I mean, Notre Dame took him to overtime and won by a touchdown in overtime at home with a very uh, shorthanded Clemson offense and defense. Um, So, I mean, Trevor Lawrence, he's just too good. I mean, he's been here before. Dabo Sweeney's been here before many times. Um, And, I mean, as you said, Notre Dame, they're very well known for underperforming in these big type of games here, uh, especially in the postseason. So, I'm going to pick Clemson here. I think it'll probably be a 14 to 10 point game. Uh, I, I do like Notre Dame's defense, um, but Trevor Lawrence is, I mean, he's the number one overall pick and he, he's the number one overall pick for a reason. So we will, we will see that on full display in the ACC championship. So Clemson will take home the ACC title and we'll probably see both of them in the playoffs if that were to happen. 
Um, so moving on to the last Power 5 championship game of Saturday at 7 o'clock. Number 1, Alabama versus number 7, Florida. Alabama comes in as a 17-point favorite in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Alabama coming in at 10-0. and Florida coming in at 8-2. and uh, Florida coming off of that loss to LSU on that 57-yard field goal in the Swamp. Um, and Alabama, after being ranked 12 and not making the playoff last year, they're, they're right back where the Nick Saban philosophy has taken them all these years to the number one spot. So, Grant, who's going to win this game uh, and why? Yeah, it should be Alabama big here, too. Uh, I Listen, Florida could make it a game uh, mainly just because uh, of, of their positioning right now uh, and, and the fact that they're coming off a pretty embarrassing loss. And so Florida could could actually make this one a little bit interesting. But I, I don't see Alabama getting unseated here. Alabama probably has the, the only chance Alabama has to lose this year is probably to Clemson. Uh, and I don't really see anybody else touching them the rest of the way. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. I think Alabama will win pretty big here. I think if you swap their spread with the Ohio State spread, I feel like that would be a little bit more accurate in my opinion but yeah I think Alabama is going to win big here I mean Florida didn't really look that good against uh, LSU I mean Kyle Trask is a tremendous quarterback um, and I mean I, I was really high on Florida up until last week I thought Florida should maybe be ranked above Texas A&M despite their head-to-head loss uh, but obviously they've played themselves out of the playoff um, and a lot of people are very irate about Florida only dropping a spot in the most recent college football playoff rankings after losing to a 3-5 and five at the time LSU team. So that was interesting, but we both got Alabama winning that game. They are your SEC champions and will have the number one seed heading into the college football playoff um, on January 1st. So happy New Year's. Maybe we can mm-hmm. kick off 2021 with a little bit of a better note here. Um, and another another championship game that we just wanted to uh, look at really quick is the American Athletic Conference championship game uh, between number nine Cincinnati and number twenty three Tulsa. Cincinnati comes in as a two touchdown favorite in Cincinnati, Ohio, and uh, they were supposed to meet last week, but their game got canceled. But here they are meeting in the American Championship game. Who's going to win this game and why? Grant. Take it away. Probably going to be Cincinnati. Uh, Tulsa, hey, man, they played well. A really sneaky top 25 team this year who's pushed uh, a lot of different schools. You know, remember all the way back at the beginning of the year in Oklahoma State uh, was getting pushed by them in September. We were just like, oh, come on, really, Oklahoma State? Uh, but looking at it now, man, like that that looks like a really competitive team, and, and that's what they are. I took out UCF in a, a couple of weeks, uh, and they, they've just played well down the stretch, and, and you know, they got a, a nice little win over Navy. Couldn't get to play Cincinnati last time. Now they'll play them this week. Uh, but I, I think Cincinnati's too much for them. Uh, but I, I see about a 10-point win for the Bearcats. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. I think Cincinnati is a, a very good football team. Tulsa has been sneaky good this year, and they are definitely deserving of that 23rd ranking. But I'm going to take Cincinnati there as well. And I almost forgot, Grant. We, I mean, I know did. Huskers are playing right now, but... The, the Raging Cajuns are playing yeah. in, in the Sunbelt Championship game. Uh, the 19-ranked Louisiana Raging Cajuns against the number 12-ranked Coastal Carolina. I don't know their mascot, which is kind of embarrassing. Uh, I probably Chanticleers, should know their mascot. I believe. Okay, well, I, I'm not as embarrassed anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> Coastal Carolina comes in as a three-and-a-half-point favorite there in the Sunbelt. 
Uh, Grant and I, we, we claimed Louisiana as our team for the three or four weeks that Nebraska was not playing in the fall. Uh, so who's going to win the Sun Belt Conference? Uh, I got to go with the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to get the Fun Belt Championship. They, uh, they, took, they barely lost to Coastal Carolina the first time. I think they're going to make it a real interesting game the second time. It's really going to be hard to flip between that and Clemson-Notre Dame, honestly, for me. It's going to be difficult. Uh, but I, I'll, I'll take Louisiana <laughs> with the upset. I have to pick at least one, so there it is. I'll agree with you. I mean, I know we've been agreeing a lot this podcast, but go Raging Cajuns. I mean, 9-1, and one, ranked 19th. We thought their one loss of the year was was bad at the time, uh, but turns out it, it was it was a pretty high quality loss. Uh, so I, I'll I'll take Louisiana there as well because Coastal Carolina is coming off of like what a five point win against Troy last weekend too, mm-hmm. which was not very convincing. Um, so I'll, I'll take the Raging Cajuns in that game as well. So that'll do it for the conference championship weekend. Um, and I mean, we got a lot of football, a lot of good football coming up this weekend. We're, we are both glad that Nebraska is playing on Friday so we don't have to miss any of the conference yes. championship games. And I can root for Northwestern again like I did throughout high school. Um, I mean, I got a couple of Northwestern things hanging up in this room, if only you could see it. But, I mean, I'll be in, I'll be in full, full Catterday mode Yes, <laughs> for, for Ohio State. Uh, so that'll be a good one. And uh, just kind of one little announcement before we leave here on episode 24. Uh, a little bit of rebranding done on uh, the Twitter page, as hopefully some of you saw last night. But uh, a bigger project that is being launched uh, within the Husker Sports Weekly community. Uh, we are launching Cornhusker Media, which is going to be a website that uh, consists of uh, content featuring the Huskers, uh, the rest of the Big Ten Conference, as well as Nebraska high school sports um, for the local people in Lincoln and around the state as well, because high school sports is a big thing out in Nebraska, that it uh, is. something a lot of people care about. Um, so, I mean, the content that we will be producing there includes this podcast, Huskers Sports Weekly, um, articles about the Huskers, about the Big Ten Conference, about high school sports, um, feature stories, photos, videos, I mean, you name it, we're going to really kind of dive deep into this project. Um, and hopefully uh, all this will be launched uh, mid to late January um, before the second semester of the college school year starts. So uh, we're, we're really looking forward to this project. Yeah, going to be pretty exciting. Uh, yeah, just keep in mind, you know, uh, work in progress. I think we kind of know what we want. I don't know if we fully know what we want yet, and some things could change between now and, and three weeks from now. Uh, hopefully going to be bringing on some of our other co-JMC bros on here to, to do some help. We could have some more. Uh, we've got some interesting podcast ideas to, to bring out besides the Husker Port Sports Weekly stuff. So, uh, obviously, hopefully this continues to be our flagship program. But I think we're going to be bringing a lot of other content to you guys as well. It's I'm excited about. I know Connor's excited uh, and, and so we're just really trying to raise the bar and, and bring, reach it, reach a different level, I think, uh, for both us and our careers and, and to bring new content, uh, to listeners and viewers alike. So yeah, don't forget it. Cornhusker Media, you can find us on Twitter at that at as well. It's just the, the, the rebrand of the Husker Sports Weekly, uh, Twitter page, that we had previously, and uh, you can expect a lot of good things coming 
in late January from us and, as Grant mentioned, a couple of our uh, peers in the College of Journalism of Mass Communications at Nebraska. So that'll do it for us on episode 24 of Husker Sports Weekly. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. We covered the Nebraska game against Rutgers this coming Friday, um, as well as a little bit of National Signing Day and the conference championship games coming up this weekend so it should be a fun weekend of football so once again thank you so much for tuning in don't forget to find us on spotify and anchor.fm to search husker sports weekly in the search bar and follow us on twitter at corn husker media for more huskers and big 10 news so once again thank you all so much and we will see you on saturday for rapid reactions number seven go big red